0: Life is made of moments, and Good Friday is an opportunity for us to pause and remember not only the moment that Jesus died on the cross, but also the moments that led to the cross. You know, it's ironic that we call this day good, isn't it? In fact, this afternoon I was having a conversation with my daughter who is eight years old, and she looked at me and she said, Dad, I I know that we we remember Jesus dying today, but why do we call it good? Doesn't sound very good, doesn't feel very good. And really that's the tension that this day sometimes brings for us as followers of Jesus. And at times there's been moments in my life where I want to fast forward past Friday. I just want to get to Sunday. Because the truth is, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, yeah, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming? Yeah. And that's our hope as followers of Jesus. But as you just heard in that video, without death, there can be no resurrection. And that's really why it's critical for us not just to try to fast forward past Friday, not have to actually look at the reality Of what our sin cost. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19, he writes these words about Jesus. In verse 28, it says this Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Jesus knew that he had accomplished what he came to do. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they, speaking of the Roman soldiers, soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, can you say these three words with me? It is finished. Can I tell you, those are the three most powerful words. It is finished. He accomplished what he came to do. He did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus cries out, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, on Good Friday, we we pause to remember this moment. Because here's the good news that I have for each and every one of us. This one moment changed everything. Now, you could sit here and go, well, I don't know, I mean... Maybe it changed some things. I mean, it it kind of changed the the scope of of world religion. No, I'm telling you, and I declare to you today, this one moment, the moment that Jesus declared, it changed everything. One moment. See, tonight we, we pause and we remember a moment, but not only just the moment on the cross, but it's important for us to remember that there was a bunch of moments that led up to the cross. One moment changed everything. We've been talking throughout this holy week about this idea of a red thread. Last weekend for Palm Sunday, We talked about how God set this plan into motion, and now this motion has led us up to this moment of Good Friday. In this one moment, friends, it changed everything. Why did it change everything? Because there was a great exchange that took place. A great exchange. I want you to think about the power of an exchange. Now, if you're anything like me, you've experienced some exchanges that were good. You've probably experienced some that were not so good. But in the moment that Jesus cried out, it is finished. It means some things for you and I. I want to step back from Good Friday, and I want to find ourselves for a moment on Thursday. Jesus calls his disciples together and they're celebrating the Passover meal together. And where do they find themselves? Jesus welcomes them to a table. A table. They're there, they're gathered together. And again, this motion that, that had begun, now it's leading to this moment. And so, what does Jesus do? Jesus gathers his disciples and he shares a meal with them and he, he takes bread he shares it with them. And and as he takes this bread, he he begins to break and he says, this is my body. Eat this. When you do this, remember the work that I've done for you. Says that after supper, he he took a cup and he said that this cup, it, it represents a new covenant. A new way of relationship between God and mankind. And so this motion of God rescuing humanity, friends, one of those moments comes back to this place called the table. And here's the good news for you and I. You see, at this table, we're we're reminded that we have an access to an exchange. And what is the exchange? An old covenant for a new covenant. Under the old covenant, it was was conditioned upon our ability to obey. But good news is, under the new covenant, Jesus became our obedience. He became our substitute. And Jesus, what does he do? He takes his disciples to a table. And that Thursday night, they leave this table. They go to the garden. Jesus spends time in prayer and Jesus is betrayed in that garden. And as that evening turns into early Friday morning, Jesus is arrested, and it leads him to this next moment after the table. It led him to this place called the trial, the trial. See, Jesus, he he stood trial both by the Jewish leaders, but also by the leaders of Rome who were occupying Jerusalem at the time. His his name was Pilate. Jesus was questioned by the Jewish leaders, by the high priests, and they knew they couldn't execute him. They knew that they couldn't actually do what they wanted done. So what do they do? They, They take him to Pilate, and Pilate looks at Jesus and questions him and Pilate comes to an interesting place. In fact, I want us to look at a couple of verses. Look at what it says in Luke 23, verses 13 through 15. It says, Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the other religious leaders along with the people and announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him what? Innocent. Innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man, hear that, hear that. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. And yet, where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus on trial. He's declared innocent. See, here's the reality, it wasn't his actions, it was mine. It wasn't Jesus' guilt that put him on trial, it was mine, it was ours. Jesus was willing to face a trial that he himself was declared innocent. And even in that moment, Pilate looks at the situation and he says to the Jewish leaders, You know what? I don't want anything to do with this. I washed my hands of it. Let this man's blood be on your own heads. He's innocent. See, it wasn't Jesus' guilt, it was mine. But you see, friends, when he went to the trial, there's a beautiful reality for each and every one of us. There was a great exchange. You see, the punishment that I deserved, it was Jesus who became my substitute. Jesus became my substitute as he faced that trial. But we know that that Friday as he's convicted and condemned to death, it didn't stop with the trial because this is the moment where torture began. You see, from trial, Jesus moves to this place called torture. He's mocked. He's ridiculed. He's whipped. You see, crucifixion had been around for a while, but the Romans, they perfected it. They became very good at it. And as they're whipping and flogging and mocking Jesus, they're spitting on him, they're beating him, they place a crown of thorns on his head. But that wasn't enough. They, they draped a scarlet robe upon his back. They begin to mock, hail, king of the Jews. But as we know, Good Friday continues to move forward. The motion continues to press on. Why? Because there was a moment waiting to happen. You see, that torture, it led to this place called Golgotha. This place where Jesus, as he's wearing that crown of thorns, he will go to the cross and these spikes will be driven through his wrists and driven through his feet. And he will hang there as a criminal, yet as an innocent man. See, we look at this torture and this Friday of the Passover feast. It was the day that the Passover lamb was slaughtered. The lamb that represented the sacrifice to atone for the people, to to cover over their sin. See, our, our Passover lamb was crushed. He was whipped. He was beaten. He experienced and he tasted torture for us in fact John in his gospel in the opening chapter he recalls what John the Baptist said and he says this about Jesus the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said look the lamb of God who what takes away the sin of the world you see John even as Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry this is three years prior to Good Friday he looks at Jesus and says there's the lamp That's the Lamb of God. And he's going to be the one who will be faithful to to take away our sin, to cover over us. See, the meal at the table led to the trial, which led to torture. And friends, Jesus on the cross, he cried out those words that we started with, it is You see, the good news is there was an incredible exchange that took place. The punishment that I deserved, he took as my substitute. It was laid upon him. In that moment of torture, something else happened. You see, the epicenter of worship for the Jews, it was this place called the temple. The temple in Jerusalem, it represented the very center point of God's presence. It represented where God dwelled. In fact, there was a segment of the temple that was called the the most holy place or the holy of holies. But did you know something happened on that Good Friday? Because in that temple, listen, there was a curtain that separated those who could gain access to God's presence and those who had to stand at a distance. And scripture recalls the gospel accounts remind us that as Jesus is hanging on the cross, as he's experiencing that torture, as he is experiencing the very reality of where we get our word excruciating, it comes from the word crucifixion. He calls out, it is Finished, And friends, did you know that at that place, the curtain that had separated people was t- torn in two? Listen, no longer do you have to stand at a distance. No longer is God's presence set aside for just a select few. But because of what Jesus has done for you and I, the temple curtain has been torn and you and I now have access to a living god the author of hebrews expounds on this idea in hebrews chapter 10 and it says this and so dear brothers and sisters we can what boldly enter we don't have to cower we don't have to wonder if we can gain access says that we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because, not because of your activity, not because of your works, not because you got your act together, because the blood of Jesus. You can't tell me that Good Friday is not significant. One moment changed everything. Goes on, by his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way. Through what? <laughs> Through the curtain. Through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into his presence with, uh, of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Fully trusting him for our guilty consciences. What? They've been sprinkled. We've been cleansed, friends. We've been set free. Do you see the significance of this? That because Jesus, he, he took the disciples to the table, he, he faced the trial, not because he was guilty, but because we were. He, he experienced the torture that we deserved. He, he changed the dynamics of the temple that you and I now have access. But Good Friday, it didn't stop. With the reality of the temple. That was a significant moment. But Good Friday led us to this place, this final stop called the tomb. The tomb. See, there was an exchange that took place at the tomb. Why? Because he faced death so that I could receive life. What a beautiful exchange! Jesus was willing to taste death. Why? So that through trusting in the work that he's done for me, I can actually walk in newness of life. Listen to this quote. I love this declaration from Paul Tripp. He says this, but such is the paradox of grace. Death is the doorway to life. Hopelessness is the entrance to hope. Weakness is the place to find strength. Injustice is where mercy flows. Life comes to those who deserve death. Defeat is actually a victory. The end is really a beginning. Out of sorrow comes eternal celebration. The tomb is the place where new life begins. Friends, this is our hope. But here's the key. We need to understand, yes, that Jesus, he took our place. Jesus, he took our punishment. Jesus, he, he provided our victory. You see, what looked like a great defeat actually is humanity's greatest hope. What looked like defeat, it's great hope for us. Jesus is our sufficient savior. He is our perfect substitute. You see, he has accomplished for us what we can never accomplish for ourselves, but but here's the point. It's gotta become personal. And that's why it's so important that on Good Friday, we stop for a minute. We look at the, the price tag of our sin straight away. We come back to this place where we say, Jesus, you're our victorious king. Jesus, I thank you that in one moment, you accomplished for me what I could never accomplish for ourselves. You see, one moment changed everything, why? Because there was a great exchange. All of my brokenness for all of his wholeness. All of my badness for all of his goodness. All of my failure for all of his perfection. Friends, this is the good news of what happened on Good Friday. He started with a meal with his disciples at a table. It led him to this trial that he did not deserve to even be at. He experienced a torture. He he opened up a way in the temple, but friends, it led him to this place called the tomb. Called the tomb. What Jesus has done for us, though, it must Become personal. Can I invite you for a moment to simply bow your heads with me? Have you made it personal? Has this become your hope? Or is this just another visit on, on the calendar once a year? Because friends, I'm here to declare to you today that with those words that Jesus declared, it is Finish That one moment changes everything for you and for me. Why? Because there can be a great exchange. Your sin for his perfection. Your flaws for his righteousness. This is our hope. So across this room with heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe you're watching online tonight. And you would say, tonight, I want to make that exchange. I want to put my trust in the work that Jesus has done for me. If that's you, would you just simply raise a hand, hold it up for a moment, say, yeah, that's me. I I desire to be made a new creation. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Can we pray this prayer out loud together? Would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in the work that Jesus has done for me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Listen, for those of you who raised your hand and prayed that prayer. We'd love to help you move from that decision to walking every day. And so at the conclusion of tonight, in the foyer, there's gonna be a team of people. There's a little sign that says, I said yes. We wanna get a book in your hand that talks about how to move from that decision to walking every day with Jesus. Tonight, it's fitting that you and I make personal what Jesus has done for us. And that's why I wanna invite each of us to come back to the table. So I'm gonna welcome the ushers to come and we're gonna celebrate communion together today. And so ushers, if you'd come and begin to pass out the communion elements. Tonight, there's no prerequisite to celebrate communion outside of the fact that you've put your trust in what Jesus has done for you. That's the significance of this moment. Tonight, we're going to take the bread, thank you. We're gonna take the cup. And here's what I want us to do. In a a moment, we're going to partake together. So as the emblems are being passed, just hold on to them for a moment. But I wanna invite all of us to come back to this place, to, to the table. You see, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples that came to the table. And it was at that table that Jesus began to talk about a new covenant, but then he also called his friends. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this often to remember. How many of us recognize at times one of our greatest issues in life is that we fail to Remember? We fail to remember what the cross declares about us. We fail to remember the fact that Jesus was innocent and he took on our guilt. We fail to remember that because of his work, we actually are a new creation. We fail to remember that the temple curtain has been torn in two from top to bottom. And now we have unhindered access to this grace. Friends, this is good news for you and I. This is good news because our King has accomplished for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. In a moment, we're going to take this bread together. But the gospel writers, they they make this declaration that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He looked at his friends and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he would go on to say after supper that he would pass this cup and he would talk to them. That this cup, it it represents his blood. It, It signifies that there's a new covenant being instituted in this moment. And it's sealed through his blood. The author of Hebrews in chapter nine says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Did you know that that's an important truth to understand? Because at times maybe we, we look at the dynamic of the cross. We look at the pain that Jesus experienced. And maybe we wonder, God, couldn't couldn't you have just kind of looked at us and said, you know what, it's taken care of. But we need to remember, we serve a holy, righteous God. And so it would not be just of a holy, righteous God to look at the debt associated with sin and just kind of wink at it. No, it, it had to be dealt with. It had to be atoned for. It had to be covered. Friends, this is the good news, and this is why we call it Good Friday. How could something so bad be called good? It's because it's what he accomplished for us. So tonight, would you hold that piece of bread in your hands? In a moment, I'm going to give us some instructions with those cards you received earlier as we hold this bread, would you join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. All of our brokenness for your wholeness. Lord, I thank you that you are the bread of life. May we learn to feast on you day in and day out, to trust you, to remember, to come back to this place time and again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and partake together. And Jesus, we thank you for this cup. That it speaks to us that our sin has been covered. Our ransom has been paid. Our debt is no longer. Lord, we thank you for that hope. We thank you for that truth. And Jesus, I pray every day we would be reminded that we've not been redeemed by perishable things, but by imperishable things. We're redeemed by your blood. We say thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and partake together.